Good afternoon, hockey fans. It is Thursday, July 5th here at From the Press Box. I know, I know, we usually come to you on a Tuesday, but everything's pushed back a little bit this week because, hey, Canada and the U.S. had a holiday, each of their own to celebrate this week, but we couldn't miss out on this week for From the Press Box. So instead of skipping a week, we're just coming at you on Thursday. And, Rick, it is our 40th episode of our inaugural season. Wow. That's incredible. When, it is when does incredible. it when when does it cease being the first season and then um you know move to the first episode of the second season? <laughs> I believe uh probably sometime near the end of August. We'll probably right. reset in September when the new hockey season is actually getting underway. Okay. Uh, since that is when we started broadcasting this year, we started in September, so we will will run through until the end of August. Um, so yeah, 40th episode. I guess I should say hello and introduce myself first. I'm Amy Johnson. Thanks so much for joining us. Your host uh, here for From the Press Box and the lead correspondent at the AHL Report. And Rick has already sort of said hello, but allow me to officially welcome my fabulous co-host our editor-in-chief and the founder of Rocket Sports Media, Mr. Rick Stevens. Thank you very much on National Apple Turnover Day. I like Apple it's Turnover. It's the off-season. I can, I can mention that, the National Day calendar again. Plus, Kathy wanted oh. to know. So. Uh, okay. All right. One well, that's listeners. Kathy, I hope. What's that? One of our uh, loyal listeners. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, Apple turnovers are pretty good. I don't know that I'm going to have one today, but um, but yeah. Apple if you're thinking ahead, it's National Fried Chicken Day tomorrow. So ahead. National Fried Chicken Day tomorrow. Uh huh. Hmm. Okay. I like okay. that. All day. <laughs> well. Today, you know, I think it, it actually ends up being a, a, a bit beneficial that um, we pushed the podcast to Thursday this week. Um, of course, we have plenty to talk about since free agency opened up on Sunday. And, whew, what a day the Habs had. Um, but we actually just got greeted by the Montreal Canadiens organization today with some with some news Um, regarding their roster, which I don't think anyone was expecting to see. Um, And especially in this new age of transparency, uh, I think everyone was quite surprised by the contents of said press release. And that is that Rick, uh, Shea Weber, unfortunately has been, has been injury plagued for most of this past season Um, in many folks opinions, uh, had surgery to repair an injured foot way later than he should have, which extended his time that he was out. Um, and now we find out today that uh, he's not going to be back until probably mid-December because he had knee surgery today uh, when they went in to do, you know, a, an arthroscopic procedure. Uh, not today, back on June 19th, they did this little procedure. They went in and, oh, the knee injury is worse than we thought, so we're just going to fix that up, and now you're out five to six months. Um, 
So needless to say, Hab's Twitter has been having a meltdown all day today um, already. I have vowed to stay far away from it. But there's a few things, you know, and yes, this is from the press box on the AHL report, but, but news like this affects the entire organization and players, players at the minor league level, not only players in, in the NHL, but players at the minor league level as well. And, and okay, like I just said, that surgery happened on June 19th. So there were a few important things organizationally that happened after that, like the draft and free agency and, and, and things like that. So I don't even know where you begin <laughs> analyzing news like, oh, hey, your top defenseman is again going to be out for half the season. Yeah, sadly, I think uh, where where much of the focus is, is, is uh, it's kind of misplaced. It's, um, well, you know, um, uh, Shea Weber is, is old. Shea Weber is, is past his prime. Uh, lots of criticism today about Shea Weber. That's, that's, it's nonsense. Um, uh, when and and the other part of it is the going back to the trade and PK Subban and and wish we could um, you know reset that to to have PK Subban in our organization. None of that is really relevant um, in my no. opinion. Um, what is relevant is this gets to um, a, it says a lot of things about the organization um, because as you said this this. Surgery happened on um, on June nineteenth. Um, it was, uh, you know, going in for a quick repair turned out to be much more uh, extensive, as you said. Uh, but then all of that information uh, was kept under wraps, uh, kept under wraps during, um, you know, the recruitment of of, of John Tavares. Is kept under wraps uh, during the draft. Uh, uh, kept under wraps um, during the free agency period. And, and maybe even you want to throw the shopping of Max Pacioretty in there. Um, the Canadians, and, and maybe that's not so bad from a strategic point of view. The Canadians were trying to hide that information. So it didn't tip off any of the p- potential suitors or, uh, or free agents. Um, although that one's really hard for me to swallow that you would, you know, make a pitch for a free agent to come here, even not John, even those not named John Tavares, um, but but do it in a in a deceptive way, um, not knowing that the top defenseman was going to be out for half the season. Um, but yeah, I, I it, it, all of that would be bad enough. But if you hadn't been preaching this this new. Um, you know, we're the most transparent organization in the NHL. We're going to be completely transparent with everything we do. This is one of the new features of the culture of the Montreal organization is this newfound transparency. Um, and it, I mean, it wasn't something that, that there was a big um, push from fans or maybe from the media, but, but uh, I mean, it wasn't a major issue. This was something, this was something that, um, you know, it, in the press conference that ended the season, um, they talked about values and culture of the organization. And Bergevin talked about attitude, and Molson talked about parency. Um, and when you when you make those kinds of statements, those kinds of 
you know, value statements or something that's, that's supposed to represent your mission. And then you go back on it um, so soon into the, into, uh, you know, after de- declaring it, it, it's, you know, do, do potential free agents trust the Canadians anymore? Do, do, do fans trust the media? Do, do other general managers when they're, when they're talking to Bergevin, this is, this is a bad one. This is, this isn't PK Subban or, you know, the trade, this is, this has long-term consequences as long as Mark Bergevin and Jeff Molson are associated with the Montreal Canadiens. Well, and the one thing that really stuck out to me in the press release, um, and, and then, and, and I, I, I wasn't, I, I was away from my desk when the press release happened. So I was reading it on my phone. Um, and so the one thing that really stuck out to me, and then I, I came home and saw that this was a tweet that you had actually uh, retweeted um, that Greg Wyshynski had, had met, made mention of it as well. And there was, <laughs> he, he quote tweeted as basically saying, this is one of the most baffling end notes I've ever read in an NHL team press release. And, and I agree. There's a sentence at the end of the press release that reads, Due to the complexity of the situation from a medical standpoint and to avoid any distractions, it has been decided in the best interest of the Canadians organization to proceed with this announcement following the NHL draft and the free agency period. So the Canadians are, I guess, I don't know, in their scope of transparency, huge air quotes, are acknowledging okay, we're going to be transparent and tell you that we made an intentional decision to not be transparent with you for the last two and a half weeks. And that we decided to wait until after the draft and free agency opened before we put out this information. Like, I don't even, I don't even know how to unpack that. That's just the most odd thing to say to me. Like it's, it's just, you're acknowledging, okay, well, we weren't transparent before and we said we were going to be, so sorry about that, but we're being transparent about it now. Um, you know, and that's not to say, that's not, not to say anything about poor Shea Weber. You know, if they had taken a better look at his foot after the first game of the season, he would have had his foot surgery earlier, which would have put him back on skates perhaps earlier. His recovery period would have happened Sooner, so he would have been able to go in for this arthroscopic sur- procedure earlier. So they would have found the additional damage earlier. So maybe he would have been able to actually start the season this year. I, I mean, it's just, that's a whole other Pandora's box of, of nonsense, but yeah, it's just, you know, you talk about how this transparency thing is supposed to be the new, I mean, my gosh, could there, could there be more, um, you know, slogans and taglines this year. Hey, hashtag attitude is everything. Um, apparently transparency was supposed to be everything as well. And, and this is, this is again going to put fans and the media back into a position where they're constantly questioning, okay, but is Bergevin really telling us the truth? L- like you were just saying. Yeah, it's, it's as as you, as you said and Greg Wyshynski said i've never seen anything like this um for for the canadians to be saying 
you know, we apologize. We're being transparent in, 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 and apologizing for not being transparent. I, I mean, it just, it's silly. It's, it's really silly and it makes the organization look silly. Um, mm-hmm. Canadians are not a destination point for free agents, uh, and that ha- that that has happened um, pretty steadily during the Mark Bergevin era. You know, it was a couple of years ago. He said um, um, we we made offers. Uh, they they we made a lot of offers. They're not coming. I don't know why. Was was that was two years ago? I think uh, was his explanation. Um, I, I would hope they're starting to figure out why now. Um, I, I, I well, would hope so because there's, there's, there's things that they can't do anything about the taxes and the political situation and the language and, and, and the, um, well, I would argue they can do something about the media, but, but these kinds of things, um, they can do something about the on ice product, the, where they are in the standings, the way they, they, um, uh, interact with and treat players um, they can do something about. And, and it, you know, this is only going to, to spiral further downward. Um, uh, people are, Bergevin said uh, at the, at the news conference, fully aware at the time, fully aware that, that Shea Weber was not going to be in the lineup for um, the first part of, part of the season said that uh, our goal is to make the playoffs this year. He fully knew that at that time Tavares wasn't coming, that, that, um, um, you know, they wouldn't have their number one defenseman that they'd be pretty. And that's boy, those kinds of things, those kinds of statements um, are going to come back to, to bite him. Well, and this is all under, under the scope of a, a new PR director for the organization who who you know That's is supposed point. to is supposed to come in and and help the organization be more transparent and this is not this 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 is right out of the gate this coupled with you say as you say you know free free agents don't want to come to Montreal and that you you hope that the organization is starting to realize that well well no because the marketing that that is happening under this new PR director is having Brendan Gallagher do a long, long love letter to essentially to every UFA out there about why Montreal is such a wonderful place to play hockey and live, um, which I thought was any other time of year that that offering would have would have been very nice because he sounded very genuine and heartfelt in everything he said, but to do it, two days before free agency opened was so transparently obvious as to what they were trying to do. Um, and it was, I thought it was, I thought it was in poor taste. Uh, now somebody so, should ask Brandon Gallagher the question, were you told about Shea Weber when they asked you to write that uh, recruitment mm-hmm. letter to free agent? Yeah. You have to wonder. The way they use players, the way they use and discard players in Montreal is is, is noticed and is talked about. Um, that that we can confirm for a fact. 
it's always something and the the circus continues, you know, no matter how many times they try to say things are going to be different, the circus continues and it's going to continue. It's going to continue all summer um, and well into the season. I, I think as long as this front office leadership is still in position um, and going right along with that, if you want to talk about a circus free agency starting at 12.01 p.m. on Sunday for the Canadians was in, was a freaking circus. Rick, I don't even, I don't know how we kept up with, oh, look, wait, they signed someone. Oh, wait, no, they signed someone else. Um, and actually, before we even get to that, we should say that that's coming off of the Habs on, on Saturday, on the day before free agency open trading away Simone Bork. Yes, that's Simone Bork, the one who was a second and third line pairing AHL player to Winnipeg. In exchange for Joel Armia, Steve Mason, a seventh round pick in the 2019 entry draft and a fourth round pick in the 2020 draft. And I'm sure most people said, really, Simone Bork got all of that? Well, Steve Mason had a big fat contract that uh, Winnipeg didn't want to have to pay. And so Mark Bergevin with all of his cap space said, well, we'll pay it. And then they flipped him. They put, they put him on waivers right away, bought him and, and bought him out. Um, so all of that happened, Rick. <laughs> and, and then the first thing that happens once free agency hits was the worst kept secret probably in free agency was that Thomas Placanitz was coming back to the Montreal Canadiens uh, on a one-year deal. Yeah, the um, Simone Bork trade was here. You had one GM who um, had a plan and was doing exactly what was needed for his organization. And you had another GM who was a participant in the trade, essentially. Mm-hmm. Did did um, did Mark Bergevin achieve any of the the, the Canadians' goals um, or address any of the needs by participating in that trade? No, none, zero. Um, You'll have those who will say, "Oh, but Joel Armia is not bad. He's pretty good." He's listen, good I, I I I I love Joel uh, Armia, and and I have since his draft year, and I've spoken highly about him. Um, you know. With uh, with Buffalo, I, that the trade that brought him to Winnipeg, I love that trade um, of Andrew Kane and and all that they got back. Um, I've I've spoken and and I'm, this is not being critical of him, and I think he's a nice piece for the Canadians to add. But the Kevin Chevaldeoff had a had a need, and that was to to um, reduce his cap room, and um, you know even to the point of of not, um, I think it was, it was the Joe Morrow. Uh, he had a couple of restricted free agents. I think it was Joe Morrow that um, he let go, become a free agent and and um, unrestricted and, and re-signed him just to save a few hundred thousand dollars uh, off his cap. Smart cap management. Mm-hmm. Um, and and he, he wanted to get the four and a half million dollars or whatever it was for Steve Mason um, off of off of his books. And he achieved that and, and didn't give up a lot uh, to do no. that. 
Um, and he'll probably, you know, maybe Kulikov, maybe another uh, piece will, will go. And we'll see if Mark Bergevin will play along for, for him there as well. Uh, but it was, it was, it was the, the Jets GM doing what he had to do and, and, um, and Mark Bergevin just being a participant. Now, um, uh, you know, he has a lot of cap room, so that doesn't seem to be a big deal. But at some point, it's going to be a big deal. And if he wants to be yeah. a, a, a player, uh, if he wants to be a contender, if you, cap room is going to be good cap management is going to be a big deal. Um, so, I don't know. The Thomas Placanets, um, there you are with... Um, you know, it's nice for Thomas, it, 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 and, and I'm happy for him. Uh, yeah. But there you have the Canadians who, who were well aware that they're going to have a dreadful season. Uh, just as, as um, Jeff Molson said, we're going to improve the food, we're going to improve the, the, uh, you know, the music and, 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 and the game presentation. This is something for fans to look forward to. Pocanet's getting his thousandth game, and it's just something that, that Canadians fans can feel good about uh, once he achieves his thousand game, but none of that has, has, uh, you know, any, any bearing on the product on ice, on the standings, on the, on the hockey product, uh, because Thomas Pocanitz isn't, I mean, I, again, it sound like I'm criticizing Tom Pocanitz and I've spent all last year defending him or more than last year about being one of the best defensive players in the league. But the Canadians mm-hmm. also showed uh, once he was traded at the trade deadline that they can get along um, without him. They have uh, Jacob Delarose. They have players that could, could fill in. Um, so again, this is, this is something to distract from, okay, we're going to have a very bad team. So here's, you know, we just signed um, uh, Boom Boom Jeffrey on Sun. That goes back. <laughs> that goes back a while. Blake Jeffrey on the trade with Nashville, but it's the same kind of deal. So we can we can have our marketing moment. Uh, and right. Placanet's re-signing is a marketing moment. It is, and and I know, you know, him taking one of those center positions. We'll get into that with with some of the other signings and whatnot here here in a little bit. But yes, that's you know, it, you're not. If you were signing a center at free agency, it needed to be your first line center, um, not someone who is likely playing third line center. And and it's now going to to bump out a younger guy who who would have been fighting for that position. On the marketing standpoint, if they've gone this far, and if this is going to be the you know the one feel good moment for fans to start off this season, then I hope that the marketing department and the organization has had enough forward thinking in place to actually put Thomas Placanitz in the press box and not on the ice for either their first game of the season at Toronto, which they probably won't do. They'll probably play him for that game, but sit him in the press box for the second game, which is Pittsburgh at Pittsburgh, because Thomas Placanitz is only two games away from that thousandth game mark. And if you want this to be the marketing coup that you need it to be, then he needs to play that thousandth game on home ice in front of home fans for the Habs opener, which doesn't happen until their third game of the season. So don't let it happen in Pittsburgh. You've got to sit him for that game in Pittsburgh so that he can play that thousandth game in Montreal. Otherwise, 
then what was the point at all? Then, then you took your, your marketing coup and you, and, and it fell flat on its face. So I will be, I will be definitely watching to see when the lineups come out for Saturday, October 6th, Montreal Canadiens at Pittsburgh Penguins to see who is a healthy scratch that night. Um, you know, at least see it all the way through and, and let the fans have their moment with Placanitz on home ice. So that being said, then the, then the next thing that happened, Rick, in mm-hmm. the circus that was Sunday, was not another free agency signing. It was, oh, by the way, we've signed Jasperi Kokaniemi to his three-year ELC deal. <laughs> so they get so okay so now he's got his his entry level contract which means he'll be at training camp and i don't know are they going to try are they going to try to push him through like they did with meta last year are they going to try to see if this kid can make the roster this year i mean we talked last week about after the draft about how we wouldn't want to even we technically really wouldn't want to see him in Laval yet this this coming season preferring to see him play in Finland at center which he did not do last year and not have his growing pains at center happen at the AHL level are are they really are they going to take that are they going to run that risk and try to see if he can compete for a roster spot at the NHL level this year Bergevin's comments were, you know, he's progressed every day in training camp. Well, I mean, all two days. Or, or, sorry, <laughs> development camp. Um, which it's it's just the silliest thing to say because um, uh, he's progressed all the way to to an NHL player now in in development camp, and you can tell in development camp playing against development camp players. And I mean, it was just it was a dumb thing to say. Um, so uh, are they going to try? Uh, is, would that be a way of, is that another marketing thing? Um, I, I, I would be, I would be, I would be disappointed if they, if they rush him along like that, or is this simply to give options um, so that with his ELC signed, he can, he has the option now of, of, of playing with the Canadians, playing with Laval. Um, whatever. And, and in doing that, uh, does that give the Canadians some leverage saying, okay, um, to his dad, who's his, his head coach, uh, at home. Um, okay. We'll, we'll let him go back for the year. We've got him signed. He could have come here, could have come to North America. Uh, but we'll let him go back. But we, we want you to play him at center. If we let him go back, we want you to play him at center. So is it, is it just a, a leverage thing? Um, if that's the case, then, you know, I'm fine with that. But, um, but if they're trying to rush him along, that's, that's not a good idea. It's not. It's a recipe for disaster. Uh, you know, defense is, is a very hard position. Defense at the NHL level is a very hard position to learn. And being a center takes a lot of development as well. Having a good, strong two-way 200-foot game at center, especially at the NHL level, is a hard, you know, it, it's a hard development. And and the fact that he did not play center last year, I would hate to see this young man get rushed. Um, 
let him develop properly. We talk all the time about how the Habs have problems developing young players. And this is, this is a kid, you know, they, they went against all of the odds and, and didn't go with, with the guy that everyone thought was going to be taken at third. They took, they didn't go with, with Zadina uh, and they, and they jumped down to get Kakaniemi. Don't mess up his development. At least give him give him a shot. If he if he earns it, it's one thing. But he's young and he hasn't played center, at least not last year. Um, so waiting with bated breath on that and one. And the Zadina the Zadina is a good point because he's obviously ready for the NHL. Everybody who's mm-hmm. who's seen him play have said that um, he looked good at the Red Wings development camp and. I think it's safe to say everyone's expecting him to see uh, to, to see him in the lineup, and that was one of the big criticisms uh, that the Canadians received. Well, why did you pick when you need help now? When you need scoring help now, why would you pick someone that's not going to be ready for two to three years? And if this is their answer, if this is if this is okay, we'll prove it to you. He's going to play in the NHL. Then that's that's a huge mistake. That's, that's just a knee jerk reaction. And it'll just, um, you know, it's 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 the bad prospect uh, management. Yeah. Well, and that's that's all. You know, I I I cannot stand the instances where the organization puts the organization's needs ahead of the players' best interests. And we've seen that happen too many times with the Canadians. And I don't want to see that happen again with a young prospect. Now, the funny thing is, the the signing that happened. Then after that, um, made some people roll their eyes pretty hard, um, but now actually makes a little more sense now that we know that that at the time Bergevin and, and crew knew that Shea Weber wasn't coming back for the beginning of the season. The Canadians agreed to a one-year, two-way contract with defenseman Xavier Wallet. Um, and of course, you know there was the, the French media was was thrilled with the signing. I was not thrilled with his commentary, uh, which basically immediately said, um, "Yeah, I uh, don't. I didn't sign with the Canadians to play in Laval." And I just, <laughs> I did like a, I, I think I did a triple take on Twitter when I read that, because I thought, wow, like I can guarantee you that every single player that played in Laval last year felt the same way. And there was only one of them that actually had, had the audacity to come out and say it. And that was Nikolai Delorier. But every player doesn't grow up dreaming that they're going to play for the Laval rocket. Let's be honest. So we know nobody wants to play in the AHL. They want to live their dream in the NHL, but in a, in an environment where Bergevin is literally hashtag attitude is everything was the back of the t-shirts at development camp. That's, that's the kind of attitude that we're, that we're endorsing that you're coming in and you're just saying, Hey, I didn't come here to play in the AHL. Mm, I, was not impressed, not impressed. But obviously, he's got it now with Weber out. Rick, he's got his his chances of making the roster have gone up 
exponentially. Uh, sure they have. Um, and, and he's going to, you know, compete with, with the likes of uh, Schlemko and Jordy Ben and Mike Riley and, and for, for, and, and, you know, maybe a Brett learn out, um, um, Matt Tormina for that, that last spot. Um, but I still didn't like his attitude. Um, I still didn't like his attitude, and particularly, as you said, because Javan has made so much about this attitude is everything. And, and let's add that Claude Julien said um, he doesn't like players that play for the, the name on the back of the jersey. He wanted to that, that just watch. We're going to be remaking this team with players who play for the front of the jersey. So um, for some who said uh, this was all just a bit of confidence, let's agree that that's nonsense. It's utter nonsense. Um, uh, A a player, uh, how does he have confidence? He's coming in uh, from last season with uh, seven points to his name. Where's the confidence coming from? Um, And, and, you know, any confidence has to be tempered with humility has to be tempered right. with uh, a realistic self-assessment. Um, I'm, I'm here to help the team in any way I can. Uh, I'm just proud to be part of this organization. Exactly. Um, you know, use, use all those kinds of uh, canned phrases, uh, but, don't, but don't come out and say any, you know, he, he went on and on. He, I'm, I'm not here to, I didn't sign with the Canadians to play in Lavelle. Um, no disrespect to Joel Bouchard. Um, but he understands that I'll be playing in Montreal. I mean, this—it's a terrible attitude. Yeah, um, there's a difference and, between confidence and cockiness. Yeah, absolutely, and and it it uh, it just went against everything that that Bergevin and Julian have been have been saying. Well, then continuing with uh, you know, if if it's not if it's not trying to you know, sign local talent. Uh, then a lot of times it's trying to sign veteran talent. Well, the next signing of the day took care of two birds with one stone when they signed forward Michael Chaput, who was a Quebec native, to a two-year, two-way contract. And everyone just kind of went, uh, okay, I guess, I guess we've so Tavares isn't coming, obviously. Uh, Ryan O'Reilly's not happening, obviously. Stasny's not coming, obviously. Um, so Thomas Polkanis was your big signing of the day, and we're now stocking the store in Laval. Um, and they did two right back-to-back, I believe, Rick. It was it was Chapu and then also a one-year two-way contract with Kenny Agostino, who played for uh, the Providence Bruins last year. Um so and, and, things started to get a little crazy at that point. <laughs> yeah, uh, th- th- those are guys who will, um, well, you know, never say never. <laughs> but I, I don't, I don't expect to see them uh, with the Canadians. Uh, they are there for, um, you know, the veterans uh, for the um, the Laval lineup. Uh, they will only partially uh, because they're they're nowhere the same offensive threat that um, uh, a Chris Terry and an Adam Cracknell were last year. 
but they're there to provide offense. They're there to provide some some leadership. Um, Chris Terry uh, with uh, signing with Detroit Red Wings organization. We'll see him in Grand Rapids and and uh, and Adam, Adam Cracknell, who's a big one. He, he was he was uh, he made a big difference to the leadership of the group and and uh, he's going to uh, take that to the Marlies, um, who you know have a, a history of sell, of, of signing uh, strong uh, leaders and 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 uh, make integrate them as into part of with their prospects into a, you know, what proved to be a, a Calder cup winning team this year. Um, so I think those are two big losses. The, the Agostino and Chapu are, are meant to offset those in part. And then, and then, as I said, it was a circus and that's when things started to get a little nutty because then the next announcement that came out was that the Canadians had agreed to terms on a two-year, I believe, one-way contract with Matthew Pekka. So, now Pekka spent most of the time last season with the Crunch. Uh, he's He was always a pest when, when Laval played the Crunch. He played 10 games with Tampa Bay, uh, scored two goals, and had five points. Uh, he's played 20 career NHL games. He's 25 years old. He's played 20 career NHL games with the Lightning. And in those 20 games, he's got a total NHL career, three goals and seven seven points. So three goals, four assists. And you've offered this guy a one a two-year, I believe, one-way contract. So you're, 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 you're kind of betting the farm now that you're looking for him to make the roster and not play in Laval? A, I don't even see how that works. And B, there are you've got so many guys waiting for that roster spot, and and now you've just pushed them all down another another person. Yeah, and and Pekka, um, and Mark Bergevin said uh, he'll play in Montreal um, this season. Uh, he said that yeah. in his news conference. Um, how do you know that, Jacob, Mark? Jacob De La Rose has. <laughs> six times the number of games in the NH six times multiply Pekka's by six and you get to Jacob De La Rosa's experience in the NHL. And yet many people are oddly, um, you know, uh, when they, when they put together their uh, depth charts uh, are putting Pekka above uh, De La Rose. And, um, and it's certainly not for his offense either because, um, you know, Peck doesn't have that uh, going for him. So um, you're going to have um, Pekka taking one of those center spots. Is it going to be a spot that um, would be better served by having Jacob De La Rosa? And look how good he looked when he was bumped up in the lineup at the end of the season. You're going to yeah. have Joel Armia taking a right wing spot that um, uh, Nikita Sherback, Sherback could have could have uh, been occupying. Um, so, uh, yeah, again, uh, people get confused about development and transition. The Canadians have been reasonably good, uh, very good at drafting, reasonably good at, at uh, developing prospects and terrible at transitioning people, uh, their prospects to the NHL. And this is another reason why. Speaking of Jacob De La Rose, I, I'll take a moment to, to just say that it just has come out that uh, De La Rose has signed his. Uh, he he was one of the four um, 
pending RFAs that had been off, given a qualifying offer, he has signed a two-year deal with the with the Canadians at nine hundred thousand per season. So, big hometown discount there. Tell me about it, because he's worth a lot more than that, and he probably, you know, in the in a landscape where where teams just don't don't go the offer sheet route for whatever reason they haven't for years. It, Delarose would have gotten more money elsewhere. Um, and the Canadian to lock him up for two years, the Canadians know they're getting a deal on that. Um, so then, you know, so, so fans are kind of reeling from all this, you know, we're expecting big things on free agency day. And really your biggest thing has been Thomas Placanitz and then, and then nothing else. Um, And then the and then the press releases started coming out at the AHL level, and as as I saw a few people joke on on Twitter that uh, essentially you know here's here's a few teams that have made some signings today, and every other free agent available has gone to Laval. Um, you you have Laval native Alexandre Grenier, uh, one year one way deal. He's a forward. Uh, then we had one-year, one-way deal with center Nikita Jevpalovs, Latvian forward. Uh, one-year, two-way deal with defenseman Ryan Culkin come through. Two-year, Montreal native, yes. Two-year, one-way, two-year, one-way AHL contract with Laval native Maxime Lamarche, who most recently comes from the Lehigh Valley Phantoms. And then, of course, a one-year, one-way AHL contract with uh, forward Alex Belzile, who, Mm -hmm. oh, by the way, played for Ramuski in the queue. So we see the pattern here. We also see a lot of signings for a lot of positions that I don't know where these guys think they're going to play. And keep in mind, this is after Laval has already signed one-year contracts with TJ Melancon, defenseman, and Morgan Adams-Moisan. That was at the end of April that they, that they signed those guys. Adam Plant. Um, Adam Plant. And don't forget about the guys like, I don't know, Jeremiah Addison. Don't forget about him. Don't forget we had signings like uh, Moravchik and Sklenica on the defense as well. Um, I, I I got so frustrated by the end of the day on sun, Sunday and so out of my mind, like, where are all of these signings coming from that I sat down and I and I culled together a list from a bunch of different sites of everyone in the Habs organization at left wing, center, right wing, and defense. And the list almost takes it takes almost more than a page to get through it. Now, granted, there's a lot on on there of guys who are going back to junior or going back to college hockey and so forth. But but Rick, I mean, there's one thing like okay, on free agency, they really have to stock the cupboard, but they stock the cupboard full of things that they're not in need of. Well, let's, let's just look, you're right there. There's, there's a lot of signings and, 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 um, and many, many, the, the uh, players are going back to, to junior or wherever college hockey. Uh, but if we just look at the center position, um, as far as Laval goes, 
let's let's assume that that uh, Peck and Delarose and, and uh, all those stay in in Montreal. At the center position, we have Michael Chaput. We have Michael McCarron. We have Byron Fraze. We have Alexandra Alain, signed um, you know, of Armada fame. Jake Evans. Uh, Hayden Verbeek. Um, Dan Odette. And Nikita Yepilov that, that you mentioned earlier. How, how many centers is that? That is um, one, two, three, four. That's eight. For for Laval. For Laval. Um, yeah. And the wingers, you got, you mentioned Addison, there's Reichel, there's Agostino, uh, that's the left wingers, Pizzetta. Um, I, I mean, the defensemen, there's, there's a, a, there's a, a ton of those two. There's a boatload of defensemen. Um, so... Yeah, obviously some of these uh, are not going to stay. They'll go to uh, the ECHL, uh, and many of the the you know have have ECHL experience um, as well. Um, so, uh, are they trying to? Um, one of the difficulties in in with the Laval Rocket last year was there was not uh, there wasn't a lot of depth when they were when they. When the Canadians had injuries and and um, and Laval had their own, but when uh, you know Laval had to send players to Montreal, they didn't have a lot to to choose from from Brampton because of the split affiliation. Many of those players were going to Belleville. So, are they trying to address that situation by signing a ton of players, and then um, you know a half a dozen of these or so are going to go to the ECHL, which didn't happen last year? Um, uh, if if so, that that uh, you know that good for them. That makes a lot of sense. But sure, uh, when so many of them, uh, when the press release leads that that they're um, you know Montreal natives or uh, played in the queue or or have uh, you know association with Joel Bouchard through the Armada, it seems like it, it seems like it's it's all in an effort to. Um, appease the the Laval fan or bring out the the Laval fans, um, which you know last year uh, their well their attendance was pretty good. They had a terrible season on ice. And you know it's just as you mentioned, just at that center position. I mean they have enough that they can fill two full teams and then some. Um, and and at what point are we again in a position where the guys that you've been developing are not only competing to, to try to get a roster spot in Montreal, which is getting slimmer and slimmer by the minute, but, but they're also going to be competing at this point for, for good placement on a line in Laval. If, I, if I'm any of, of the Habs prospects that have put in the time and the effort and the years and whatnot, looking at what happened on Sunday, I'm thinking, why have I been busting my ass all these years? Like these guys are going to step in and take my spot. Um, and I, I mean, I guess I, I can reserve some of my outrage for the fall. Once I see, once we see how rosters are going to work out and how they're going to be used, but, but just seeing the pattern of, Signing Laval natives, Quebec natives, or guys who played in the queue 
over potentially better players that live or play in other areas and leagues. I just not leaving me with full of confidence that good hockey decisions are being made. Well, um, and, and the, the center position, uh, just to, just to finish up there uh-huh. and, and to complement your point, um, Jake Evans, of all those names I mentioned, yeah. uh, Jake Evans and Mike McCarron are the only two who were drafted by, and Dan Audette, were the only, uh, were the three players drafted by the Montreal Canadiens, their own prospects. So three um, of the eight centers. Chapeau, Frey, Zalan, Verbeek, uh, those, all came, those all came from outside the organization. And let's see who gets the priority. Mm-hmm. Let's see who gets the priority. I understand guys have to earn it and they have to go into training camp and they have to show what they have. I get that. I'm not, I'm not saying that you automatically put your own prospects above anybody else on the roster. However, confidence comes into play questioning the faith that the organization has in you comes into play. Um, you know, Sherback's another one. You've, you've mentioned him a couple of times where a month ago I would have said Sherback's probably a, a shoe in to play on the wing in Montreal this year. Now, I don't know. I don't know. And, and that's and a shame. Yeah, no, I agree with you. Um, and and that that hurts that that lack of transition hurts their development. And and you know people say oh they're stagnant or what? It's because they they're not given a proper chance. Um, and again, and not to to keep hammering this point, but but developing and transitioning uh, your own prospects. Um, quickly, let's look at defensemen. Valia, the 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 two checks, Taramina. Plant, LaMarche, Kalkin. Um, who have I missed? Um, of, 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 of all of those players, nobody is a, is a Canadian's prospect. The only one I didn't mention uh, is Brett Lernout. He, is a, he was drafted by the Canadians. Right. The rest were not. It'll be, <laughs> I know I always say it's going to be interesting, but it's because the Canadians continue to do this. And there will be a full on rant from Amy. If, if, if this does, if this goes sideways, come, come the fall. Um, I just, I, I just, I want to see that guys who earn their, their position actually get their position. Um, and Brett Learn Brett Learnout's a great point to bring up. He's another good one for you to bring up. But Brett Learnout should be contending for a roster spot in Montreal this fall. Xavier Wellette prob- probably takes that out of the equation, um, and I have a problem with that. But training camp is going to be training camp's going to be pretty big uh, for a lot of players this year. Um, which can be a good thing. It's going to be a lot of pressure and a lot of internal competition, but it can also really rattle some of the guys that are in their head a lot. Um, and, and so we'll see what happens. And there's more, you know, there's more signings to come. There's every, you know, there's 
Bergevin still has cap space to play with. He still has to, he still has RFAs to sign. Um, Della Rose is actually the first one of the RFAs to sign. Um, you know, there's been plenty of, oh, bring Anthony Declare to Montreal. That's still up in the air, although it's starting to look like that's closing in on, on not happening. Um, so, the issues. well, that's just it. Everyone and their mother wants Anthony Duclair, and I don't know why if attitude is supposed to be everything these days. Um, he's not the solution. And, and you know, I don't care that people are saying, oh, but Paul Byron and Max Domi both really want to play with him. Well, good for Paul Byron and Max Domi. I'm sorry, but you're not the management of an NHL team. Um Anyway, that's a whole that's a whole other soapbox rant for another day. We will be sure to keep all of you posted on who's going where and who is new and who is leaving and where they're playing and all sorts of fun. I'm sure that uh, I'm sure that week to week throughout the summer we're going to have plenty to talk about as as all of this unfolds. Um, the Canadians were certainly busy. Uh, on Sunday for free agency, and they're not done yet. Um, unfortunately, they're not done yet. Uh, and we will see. We'll see what happens. We'll see if Mark Bergevin can find the missing piece to the puzzle. I, I think he's. I think that has that ship has flown. But we'll see what happens. There's, there's um, some dispute. You mentioned Anthony Declare. There's some dispute on on you know has, has he signed? Has he not signed? Mm-hmm. Um, Aaron Portsline is saying uh, he has signed uh, with the Blue Jackets. And so that okay. uh, Jeremy Falosa in, in on the Montreal side and Portsline on the, on the Columbus side, um, uh, he, Portsline is saying that Declare has signed a one-year $650,000 contract with the Blue Jackets. A one-year uh, one one-way deal, which um, the interesting thing is that Faloza's speculation, I, I, I don't know if it's speculation or if he had a source, was that, that the Habs were offering a two-way deal. And <laughs> if, if, if that was true, there's no way Duclair was going to take a two-way deal. Just no way that that was going to happen. So I'm more than happy to see him go to the Blackhawks. Best of luck to you. Or, uh, sorry, not the Blackhawks, Blue Jackets, yes. Coming from the Blackhawks. Um, best of luck to you in Columbus. Happy to not have you in Montreal. Um, coming off of, of player signings, Rick, I know that there was one, um, we've been doing some updates on some coaching positions and, and so forth throughout the, um, throughout the AHL, but there was, there was a coach hiring that you particularly wanted to touch on, uh, this week. And it has a bit of a relation to do uh, with the Humboldt Broncos, correct? It does, and and this is uh, is, is also very AHL connected. Uh, the Humboldt Bronco, uh, Broncos, um, you know, it's been three months since the tragedy, and um, they're anxious now to um, move from from what's happened and all the attention and and on the tragedy, and and they were honored at the appropriately so at, at the um, NHL awards um, at uh, the Saskatchewan Rough Riders uh, prior to their game, they were honored uh, just a few days ago, but um, now they're, they're wanting to focus on the hockey uh, on next year. 
uh, as hard as that's going to be. And, um, and to move on with their, the hockey team. Um, and uh, they have named their new head coach and general manager, and that's Nathan Oistrick. Um, and Oistrick is um, a veteran, I'd say, of, of the AHL. Uh, 338 games in the AHL, um, last played in the AHL in the 14-15 season for Springfield, and then went and played uh, ECHL uh, for Elmira, the Elmira Jackals, in 15-16 season. Um, Oistrick is 35 years old, and um, he's done some some coaching. He was, uh, that year, the, the last year that he spent, he was a player coach in, in Elmira, um, and he's done some, um, uh, did some coaching, uh, with, uh, Colorado last year, um, in the USHS, uh, league. So now he's, he's, he's junior A, a junior A coach, uh, and, uh, general manager. And he's going to be, um, you know, he has the challenge, the rather big challenge of, uh, of putting the focus back on the ice, uh, Darcy Hogan was the had that role was killed in the crash and and um, um, you know in in the press release when it was announced Nathan Oistrick was was very emotional uh, and recognizes why he's been given this chance uh, recognizes the circumstances that that led up to this uh, said that he didn't know Darcy Hogan. Um, but wish he had and, and was very emotional. And I'm, I'm sure, um, you know, there's going to be points throughout this season that are going to continue to be emotional for, for him and for the, uh, the entire team and the entire community. Um, Absolutely. But they need hockey in Humboldt. And, uh, and for now, Nathan Neustrick is going to be the man who's, um, who's going to have to, to make that happen uh, as their new head coach and general manager. Well, we wish we certainly wish them the best of luck. Uh, actually, had a close brush with one of the recovering survivors from from uh, the Humboldt Broncos uh, bus crash um, at Flyers Development Camp this year. There is one young man who has been uh, in Philadelphia rehabbing for the last month, um, and the Flyers have have really done a lot to um, keep him involved, and they've they've. I, he, he pops up on their social media streams all the time. They've, they've, they've really, they've really welcomed him in Philadelphia and, and wanted to keep him close to hockey and, and things like that. And um, at Flyers development camp on Friday, he was in attendance watching, uh, watching the prospects uh, run their drills and whatnot with Ron Hextall um, and, and Sam Moran. He was, uh, he was watching everything happen. He met with the, uh, met with the press, I believe. The day before that, he met with the Flyers alumni, um, and I believe was given honorary membership to the Flyers alumni uh, club, kind of thing. Um, and uh, just really, really special uh, to see to see the Flyers embrace him and want him to be part of of their hockey community while he is spending time healing and recovering in Philadelphia. In fact, Ron Hextall got pretty emotional uh, at at the press conference um, in regards to that. Uh, and you can see that it hits really close to home uh, for, for hockey players at all levels. And so um, really interesting to see, 
to see that, to see him there in Voorhees, New Jersey. And as you say, you know, it's, it's a long road forward and every, every day is another step ahead. And Ryan, just to arrive back, um, arrived back home in uh, Airdrie, Alberta uh, today after spending a month or so at the Shriners Hospital in Philly and, and, uh, and then, as you said, taking part um, in, in the, uh, the Flyers development camp. And, and he, has a, he has a long, um, a long way forward, um, lots of challenges ahead, but uh, it sounds like his commitment is to um, uh, return to hockey and, and he, would, uh, he, he has his sights set on um, being a sledge hockey player in the future and, um, and uh, let's hope that, that he gets there. Absolutely. Well, speaking of Flyers Development Camp, we kind of spoiler spoiler alert there. Uh, the Flyers hold their development camp every year down in Voorhees, New Jersey, and as at, at the Flyers practice facility there, uh, which is just about a 20-minute drive outside of downtown Philadelphia. Uh, and we had talked about this a bit last week that we were going to uh, head down for at least one day uh, to cover some of camp. We did that last Friday. Um, and it was, you know, it was, it was a quiet day at the rink. Um, you know, it's leading into 4th of July weekend. It was a Friday. Everyone in that region heads to the shore pretty, pretty early. So it was uh, actually a nice quiet day. Um, didn't go to the morning sessions, but instead chose to go to the afternoon and evening sessions, which ended up working out really nicely because we were basically the only media as far as reporting um, outside of photography that was there. And so, um, if you haven't done so, go to ahl.report. Uh, we got exclusive one-on-one interviews with a number, I, I believe six of the hot Flyers host prospects, four of which were 2018 uh, draftees, uh, both of their first-round picks, Joel Farabee and Jay O'Brien. Uh, we also spoke with Morgan Frost, Philippe Myers, um, goaltender of uh, 2018 draftee Samuel Erson and as well as um, Adam Ginning as well. Um, and so we have full video of all of those exclusive interviews all compiled into one, um, one standalone video. And you can find that at ahl.report. Um, I, I encourage you uh, to go and take a look at these, these young players. Even if you're a Canadians fan, go and take a look at these young players and just, just listen to some of their perspectives um, joining the Flyers organization, you know, it's one thing, Rick, we talked about how um, how things went as far as free agency on, on Sunday for the Canadians. The Flyers, on the other hand, made one move, and it was a big one. They brought James Van Riemsdyk back to Philadelphia, uh, which I couldn't have been happier about. It, it's, it was, I didn't like it when, when he got traded. I didn't think that he... I thought they gave up on him too soon. Um, and then he went and, and sure enough, continued to develop and is now a very strong player. Um, and when asked on Sunday about why more moves weren't made, I loved Ron Hextall's answer, which was, I'm not going to sell short my future of this team for a short-term reward. And I and I I retweeted that and I said, my gosh, is that refreshing? I I wish I wish 
that some other GMs that we've mentioned in this podcast had that attitude. In fact, and unfortunately, Mark Bergevin said later in the later that day in his presser, "Oh, I didn't, I you know, I didn't want to to sell the future." And it was like, well, "You just did that." <laughs> um, so even if you're not if even if you're a Canadians fan and not a Flyers fan, I, I encourage you to go watch this video just to just to listen to the difference in prospects that are entering the Philadelphia organization under the culture that they have created there and the way that Ron Hextall is really playing the long game and learning, you know, how to develop players and bring them in and develop them properly. Um, it's it's a really it's a really interesting insight into into just how things look when you're drafted by different teams. And it's, it's um, yeah, the, the, the Flyers have drafted very well um, in the last, last, well, under, in the, in the Hextall regime. Um, but uh, he may not have said it um, this time, uh, but I do remember, remember him saying um, in the past uh, that uh, talking about saving slots for, um, their their prospects and and kind of challenging them to, okay, here we have some spots open, fill them. Um, our own guys, we want to transition our own guys first. And you know, if it if it if it uh, proves that uh, you you don't you don't fill those spots, then uh, I'll have some work to do and have to bring somebody in um, from another organization. But but you don't go in and displace those guys, your own guys right away and promise as, as Bergevin did with Matthew Peck, Oh, he's going to play in the NHL. I, I mean, it's, it's, it's a very different approach. Um, very different. And, um, and, and, it, and I, go ahead. Go ahead. I was just, I was just going to, to punctuate that with, with finding the actual tweet. Hexy said that he still was looking to add a defenseman um, or a center, which I believe he did add a defenseman today but that he doesn't want to give long-term deals that will box out one of his prospects. Yeah. That's, that's what that's made the, me. Yeah. Yes. That's the key. Don't box out your prospects. And, and it's, it's something that uh, it's, it's, it's not only um, an effective way of, of building your roster. It, it goes to motivation um, internally, mm-hmm. um, you know, uh, teams see how you treat your own players, um, uh, or, uh, the prospects see how, how, the, uh, uh, you know, the rest of the, the prospects are treated, but also potential free agents see how you treat your own players and, and, and respect that. Um, it's very different and, and, you know, good on them. The, 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 the JVR signing was, was great. And, and, you know, if it's quality over quantity or, or whatever, he's, he's, uh, uh even w- when he was with the Leafs, you, you kind of always have in the back of your mind that, that he's a flyers kind of player. Um, yes, he is. and, um, and, he's, and he's from New Jersey. It's, yeah. Yeah. It, it's, it's a, it was a perfect, uh, a perfect ad. And, um, and, and yes, uh, um, you know, Yes, Rocket Sports. We we we're we're um, we have a, a focus on the Canadians, but but you know we we cover the the uh, Ottawa organization as well, and and uh, 
the the Belleville Senators um, and and their connection with the the Brampton um, Beast last year, um, and we cover the the um, um, uh, Phantoms as well, the Lehigh Valley Phantoms, and 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 not only that, but prospects throughout junior hockey and and college hockey and European hockey. So when these players come to the organization, and and you mentioned uh, Maxim Lamarche earlier, um, you know I saw on Twitter uh, who's Mac- Maxim Lamarche, and and okay, well let's let's look up in Hockey DB who he is. Well, we already know Ma- Maxim Lamarche because you cover the the phantoms and, and you've seen them play and, and it's, and it's easy to provide our listeners uh, uh, and readers with, with that kind of uh, intelligent comment and, you know, insightful kind of um, uh, content Um, having that overview. So that's one of the reasons. And also it's just, um, you know, these are, these are the prospects that we got to, to talk to Um, uh, Joel Farabee, um, uh, this guy will score. Uh, this guy we've yes, seen, we will. saw it with, with the um, w- with the All American prospects, and we saw him, we saw the way he performed, and and we saw even in in development camp, um, this guy's going to score. Uh, um, Joe O'Brien's got a got a nice shot. He's going to be a physical player. Um, Mikhail Vorbiev is is another one that kind of stood out for me, and. In mm-hmm. uh, development camp, if he was feisty as anything in in development camp, um, uh, Linus Hogberg, who we saw um, w- uh, last year in Plymouth, um, and we saw for the World Juniors Summer Showcase, the yeah. World Juniors, and, and for the summer, summer Showcase, and then again um, at, at the, the World, World Juniors, Juniors in, in Buffalo, and and uh, and he went went away from that tournament with a. Um, a silver medal and, and um, he's, he just, he skates well. <laughs> he's very mobile, excuse me. Um, you know, a late round pick, sixth, fifth or sixth round pick. Um, but another guy that uh, is just kind of a more in, in the, the, the genre of the, the more modern um, defenseman, very mobile, uh, moves the puck well. Um, and so, uh, you know, all, all of these players and, and then to go on to talk to, um, Philippe Myers, who, you know, had a big role, uh, especially with Sam Moran out uh, the past year with mm-hmm. the Phantoms and, and who will be can, contending for a spot with the Flyers at their, at their own training camp. So um, there's lots of, lots of storylines there and, and lots of interest. Um, and, uh, and the, the, the video is, is uh, I thought that the, because there wasn't a mass of media, because there wasn't scrums, because it was a one-on-one situation, uh, every one of those interviews was, uh, the guys were kind of open. They were, uh, you know, big smiles on their face, especially the new, new draftees. Um, yeah. Uh, referencing their, their, the, you know, the draft a couple of weeks ago and um, all of them are, are delightful to watch. They certainly are. So we, we hope you uh, take a few minutes just to go check out that video um, and just learn about, some guys who, who knows in a, in a few years, they may end up within the Montreal Canadian organization. As you, as you said, Maxime LaMarche, uh, former Phantoms who we saw extensively through the Phantoms deep playoff run. Um, now part of the Montreal Canadians organization, likely playing for the Laval rocket this year. So be sure to check it out. 
We, of course, will keep you updated on all things happening. I'm sure even though it'll be a shorter amount of time between this this episode and next week's episode on its regular day on Tuesday, um, it will be, I'm sure, full of new things that have happened because things are happening seemingly every minute uh, around the league. And uh, still, you know, some, some coaches in the Habs organization, both at Montreal and Laval uh, that need to be filled as well as other places around the league um, and more signings are, are certainly along the way. So be sure to keep everything locked on the AHL report on Twitter, on Instagram, on Facebook. Uh, you can find Rick on Twitter at all Habs. You can find me on Twitter at flyers rule. Um, and of course, you know, reach out if you have questions, comments, we're always happy to interact with our fans and followers and friends and, um, you know, really keep the conversation going all throughout the week on social media. Um, and Rick, it's been, it's been another great episode. Thanks so much for joining me. And, uh, we are so glad that you've joined us as well. Be sure to come back next week, next Tuesday, same same day for uh, our next episode of From the Press Box, and we'll have lots of hockey news for you. Until then, enjoy your weekend since the week is almost over, and uh, we'll see you back here on Tuesday. <laughs>